You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 579, the redemption of Boy George, the Horn Section TV show, the Grammy nominations, and remembering Mimi Parker and Keith Levine. That's all coming up after Public Image and Public Image. When John Lydon left the Sex Pistols in 1978, the consensus was that it was all over for him. But within months, he formed this band. And what a debut single, notable Mm. for Jar Wobble's bass, but most notably Keith Levine's searing guitar. And more about Keith later. From the autumn of 1978, number nine in the UK, Public Image uh, Limited and Public Image.
belongs to me yes indeed it does i'm a huge fan of that i'm also quite a fan of and i suspect that purists would scoff at this but um danish pop band alphabet who really were on the eurovision i don't think they ever did eurovision but on the eurovision end of the spectrum did a rather enjoyable day glow pop version of that which is worth investigating i think it's quite sweet actually i quite like it um anyway no huge fan of that and particularly keith levine's guitar brought so many interesting things to them a death disco with the Swan Lake kind of shredded little riff on it, I, I, it was it they were such a weird combo of people, weren't they? And a weird combo of musicians. Um, they never had a permanent drummer, I believe, or they had a succession of drummers. They did, but yes. um, but yeah, Yard Wobbles bass and and you know, it just seemed to the fact that it gave Lydon a sort of new lease of life as well. Like you say, lots of people writing him off after the sort of cartoonish Sex mm. Pistols, and it turns out there was a much more to him than than, than met the eye. I I, I like. Uh, P.I.L. a lot. Welcome along to Parish Council episode 579. I'm Terence Dackerton and celebrating a triumphant opening weekend of a run at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, no, 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 hold on. I've got I've got it confused with Adele again. Um, it's Juliet <laughs> Harris. I mean, I am wearing a leopard print top, so it's an easy yeah. mistake to make. But um, hello from the other side of the Atlantic, as she would say. Do you see what I did there, Satie? Yeah, but anyway, yeah. yes, my residency yet to be confirmed though i have actually been to las vegas caesar's palace so so i you know i could very easily uh, what if i just dug in and just squatted there and and they would have had to give me a show eventually i assume but anyway hello everybody one strange thing i noticed about adele in these reviews Mm. that i've been reading of her weekend which is great she's you know it's gone so well it has it has actually gone now as well i wonder if all those people that book their holidays in their hotel rooms have managed to make it this time i I, I hope so. so But um, apparently she did 90 minutes. And I saw one review that 30 minutes of the 90 minutes was her talking to the audience. But that's part of the appeal of Adele. She's got great Uh, chat, hasn't she? She's really funny. I mean, an audience with Adele on TV was great because she's got great chat. She's really entertaining. Her performance at Glastonbury was great because her sort of in-between song patter is really good. I often think Adele could have been a comedian quite easily. So Uh I hate to take issue with you, Satie, but um, actually she's got great patter. So so actually, Uh if anybody's going to spend half an hour of a show talking, it's Adele. I think. Ah, because I was going to sort of rather cattily say that I'd rather have uh, the extra thirty minutes of her singing rather than talking. But if she's uh, it's part, that good it's value, part of the show, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's part of the oh, show, okay. I think. I mean, it's, if you haven't seen it, it's worth seeing her on James Corden's Carpool Karaoke. No, I haven't. It would no. it, that is very much worth watching. We we discussed James Corden and the yeah. drawbacks thereof the other week. But um, having said that, him and her are great at that, and she just comes across as a very chatty, ordinary person. Seems to have a habit of randomly paying for people's dinners, you kind of learn, which she sort of <laughs> casually whacks into conversation before then going on about how much she loves the Spice Girls. They do the kind of rap bit in the middle of Wannabe together to great effect. But um, yes, she's um, she's a, a big personality, Adele. So actually, yeah. sort of makes sense. I would, I would like to see that show. It sounds lots of fun. Well, I know in my heart that you Mm. and the listener are aching to know if we have a (laughs) quiz this week. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Tell me, Terence, do we? Oh, well, I'm delighted to reveal that we do. Hey, hurrah. Um, And it is 
November this week in history. Oh wow! I mean, to be fair, it's been quite a snow news week in Britain, and that nobody has resigned, and no major institution has absolutely collapsed. So, uh, so yeah, who knows? Let's dip back into the uh, into the the bin bag of history and see what's happened. Well, it's going to be fun beyond description for you, Julia, mm. and you, the listener. Uh, ten yeah, come on, gang, we can do this. Ten questions all related to people and events in recent history. Oh, okay. Um, uh, How is one defining recent? That's the first the, interesting. The, the, well, the last hundred years. Okay, I mean, it, it, in the context of all time itself, that is recent. That's very so recent, yes. Um, six correct answers out of ten um, needed to win, and I'll Ooh. accept near misses and deem them correct because I'm a generous person. You, you're always your scoring is always, always basically. On your side. Always yeah, it, it always is. You are yeah. always on my side and always on my mind. Thank you, Seti. November, this week in history. Question one. Here we go. Go on. Halloween-loving, irritating chat show host Jonathan Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Here for the description already, frankly. Celebrated his birthday on November the 17th. How old was he on November the 17th? Oh, I presume it's something significant that I have missed. Um... Let's say, thinking back to when Jonathan Ross was first on our screens, let's say Jonathan Ross is 60. I'm going to give it to you, 61. Oh, OK, fine. That's I'm, which case, I'm more than happy with that. Good. Great. Very good. Going to give you that. Question two out of 10. 20th of November, anniversary of then Princess Elizabeth marrying outspoken Philip Mountbatten, Duke of Edinburgh. <laughs> Indeed, but in yes. which year, Juliet, did they marry? Oh goodness, this is actually asking for knowledge this week, as opposed to what football t- what football team does this vaguely Brazilian sounding piece support in the World <laughs> Cup? Um, I will say that they got married in nineteen forty nine. Going to give it to you again, nineteen forty seven. Oh, okay, very, very good, much. Juliet. Very generous. Had they uh, both survived a few months longer, they um, seventy five years have been the seventy fifth anniversary. Well, Amazing. For, for, for all that I have a, a complex relation, a nuanced relationship with, yes, with the know. institution, I'm sorry they didn't get to see that. Diminutive actor Danny DeVito. He mm. was born on November the seventeenth. How old did that make him on his birthday this week? Oh, okay. Um, I really should have looked at the born on. Yes, indeed. Danny DeVito, an essential part of history. I'm enjoying your descriptions of people. Um, I think (laughs) he he's older than Jonathan Ross. I would say for sure. I think that Danny D. Let's say seventy-eight. Whoa, seventy-seven. Oh, no wonder you're the star of all these (laughs) quiz shows all over the place. I mean, really not, but uh, but that's still going to be. And also, I'm always in true pop master on Radio Two style. I am one year out. I'm going to give it to you though, Um, but you know that's 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 (laughs) you've. Just clipped inside the bull. Just clipped in the end. I've bent the wire on my way. Bent the wire, but you're inside. Question four. On the 25th of November, the stars of Band-Aid rolled up to Psalm Studios to record Do They Know It's Christmas? But in which year? I believe this was 1984. Bullseye! The year of my birth. So, uh, yes, indeed. So many wonderful events that year, indeed. Band-Aid. 
a, a friend of mine recently, uh, or some time ago, a good friend of mine called Grace, in describing her age, I asked once how exactly how old she was some years ago, and she said, looked at me and said, with great charm, I am Super Grace 85. So it's nice to know that other people <laughs> are also adopting the naming convention. And of course, they wouldn't have known it's Christmas at all and wouldn't have celebrated because uh, the, the, the countries in question were uh, are all Muslim countries. So, well, uh, quite. I yeah. mean, looking back on it now, there are many flaws and failings, yes. but it was done. It was done in good heart, it I think. Was. So I can't I can't dismiss it too, too easily. Question number five, halfway point, 22nd of November, a grim anniversary. JFK, President John Kennedy, was shot and killed. Where was the location in America and in what year? Oh, gosh. So, um, um, I, I, uh, so, so the year, I think, was 1963. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it to you that. The, the, the location was just a, a Billy bonus. Grass, uh, it was, it was, it was a, it's a grassy knoll, isn't it? Was it was a grassy knoll, um, wasn't it? But I'm trying to think, was it Dallas? It was Dallas in Texas. Oh, okay. Superb. Everything right so far. How could I ever trick you on these? Question six out well, of this, ten. If I get this right, then we can just spend the rest of the... Well, we can just it's, give it's, up. It's like, yeah. it's like when you're at school and and you know it's the end of the term if i get this next one right we can spend the rest of the quiz playing a board game that we've brought in <laughs> former manchester united and england battling midfielder mumbling paul skulls ah oh, w- everyone's favorite whistling bob's cousin mumbling paul <laughs> was born on november the 16th but in which maternity ward? No, no, not which maternity ward. <laughs> <laughs> How old? His birthday was on November the 16th. How old is Paul Scholes? OK, well, let's, let's class it back backwards. Say that class of 92. Oh, very good. I think that he was one of the slightly older people in the class of 92. Let's say he was 18 in 92, which makes him born in 74, which makes him 48. 47 are giving it to you again very very good uh this will have which means now it's time for us to get kaplunk out and then just let the rest of the quiz go on and read comics exactly um quick bonus for you and this will be a guess i know i wouldn't have got this bonus how many england caps did paul skulls acquire i mean not as many as he could have done because he retires quite early didn't he unexpectedly if i remember correctly let's say he got 42 66 14 oh, okay, goals 66. that's that's that, that's more that i mean that, that was I, I just think, a bonus he would have gone on to get more though i think had he not had he not retired i believe he only lasted several games at oldham athletic recently as well oh, I, he did, um, didn't he and then walked away yes they appointed him manager and then yes. mysteriously after about a month he he, he, just, he was gone he just disappeared and i mean mm. I, I i i like paul skulls as a footballer very much he was once described by sir alex ferguson as a man of few words but people listen because when he had something to say it was usually worth listening to uh, um yes. that doesn't make him of course a natural pundit um no. if he's struggling to succeed in the world of management i wonder what the world holds for paul skulls mm. i i wish him well absolutely uh question seven of ten Perennial favourite Christmas movie, 136 minutes of sweetness and light. Love Actually was released on November the 14th. Which year? 2005. 2003. I'm going to give you half on that one. 
I think, I think, yeah, exactly. I was trying to remember when exactly when I was at university from 2002 to 2005, it came out. Um, I landed in the wrong bit. Juliet and listener, mm. 46th and current president of the United States, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Mm, was born on November the 20th. In which year was he born? Well, I believe he is just, according to BBC's new um, America cast, which would not mislead me, I believe he has just turned 80, which means Correct. he would have been born in 1942, the year after my dad. Oh, bless. Right back on form there. Two more to go. Hmm. Macaulay Culkin defends his Chicago house <laughs> in Christmas comedy vehicle Home Alone. The, the, the original. Yes. It premiered in the United States on November the 16th. Of which year? I'm going to guess 1990. Spot on. Oh. Well, you really are the quiz queen. Let's I mean, you you, you were picking... The thing is, you were helping me by picking stuff that's A, in my wheelhouse, and B, some of the, quite a lot of this has happened... There's either been big moments in history that I've learned about in school or has happened during my lifetime. I remember Home Alone coming out. I remember hiring it on VHS. Oh, good Lord. Um, <laughs> yes, indeed. Talking of movies, also released this week in November 1990, Rocky V. Mm. And... In November Rocky V, as those of us Rocky that v, cannot yes. speak properly. And oh, speak, speak, to distract yeah. you briefly, to finish this anecdote, please. But I, yeah. are you aware of the of the curious episode in which The Simpsons made up a Rocky film? No. They they <laughs> accidentally invented so so. Um, th- there's a scene. <laughs> is it one of the great callbacks in comedy? There's a scene in class where they're teaching Roman numerals, and Bart Simpson is distracted and does not listen. And then I can't remember what the plot is, but somehow he ends up in like one of those rooms like a circle circular room with tigers in it or, or lions or something and there are doors that all have roman numerals on and he kind of and they say there's a note saying that door seven is the one that he has to go through and of course because he can't read new roman numerals he hasn't listened to class and he then says quick rocky ii plus rocky v means rocky ii adrian's revenge and runs through rocky vii aka door seven there was no Rocky Seven called Adrian's Revenge at that point. <laughs> Several years later, Rocky Seven, aka Assassin's Creed, was released. That was not the that was not the Rocky film that they referenced in that. But every time you you mention the Rocky series, I always think of Rocky yeah. VII, Adrian's Revenge. Well, that was released in November 1990, and in November 2007, the movie Beowulf, in which I play a thane. A thane, a kind of uh, warrior. Mm. I did not realise that you were um, that you were exactly. Well, you you've lived a very full life, Sophie. You really have. (laughs) Finally, question ten. And it's the big finish, really. Mm, absolutely. Well, I thought that you appearing in in, in that film uh, was yeah, the big that finish, was, but yeah, yeah, apparently not. Story in itself, isn't it? But this uh, will just be an anticlimax after that. <laughs> it's like the encore. Yeah. Indeed. The yes. Encore. There's certainly uh, there's certainly <laughs> underwhelming cover in the encore. Yes, indeed. Charles Philip Arthur George, King Charles the Third, King of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth, born on the 14th of November. So, in which year? Was His Majesty born? That is a good question. I don't think she'd been queen very long. Let's say 1955. That would make him 67. Are you happy with that answer? No, I'm not. Um, Another little go. She had him before she was queen. (gasps) Okay, fine. All right. So let's say 1951. 
1948. Big oh, cross on play. that one. Fair play. 74 <clears throat> years old this week. Now let's have a look. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and a half. Eight and Excellent. a half. Let me do that again. Sorry. One, two, three, <laughs> four, five. Sorry. Um, six, seven, eight and a half. Eight and a half. You should have. You should have counted that in the style of Sesame Street character, the man who's, <laughs> the, or rather, the, the character whose full name, according to a Halloween quiz, a quiz I did the other week. Count Von Count is the Count from Count Sesame Street's full name. Count Von Count. Sure, he would have done a better job uh, yes. than me One, of counting two. up to eight and yes. a half. Yes. Eight and a half. Ah, 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 etc. Yes, it did. As a Very friend of mine said result. when I told her about the quiz, I hope they counted out your points afterwards. But um, you, we got If you did better than Juliet at home, then my goody, my giddy aunt, you're a good quizzer. If you did, if you did better than me at home, then for goodness' sake, go on Mastermind or something. Or better still, <laughs> ring me and we can go on Pointless together. I would love that. <laughs> Yet another television show that I don't watch is mm. the Jungle Show with. This Andy. is an endless list of TV shows oh, that you do very, not watch. I'm always enjoying long, the new editions. List. Jungle Show with Ant and or Deck. Yes. And, um, some years. As Bill Nye so beautifully put it in the film Love, actually mentioned earlier, in answer to your so, question, Ant or Deck, indeed. And funnily enough, when I uh, jotted down the Love, actually, this is what reminded yes. me of the Ant and yes. or Deck. Um, yes. Some years they seem to struggle to find stars willing to mm. make complete eejits of themselves. Uh, right. pad, pad, they, they pad the cast out with reality TV people and so yes. on. This year they secure the talents, if that's what you want to call it, of reputation shredded conservative MP Matt Hancock. Right. Oddly tattooed singer Boy George. And in many cases, and uh, George is one of those, the question leaps up, why on earth are you doing this, George? Is it for the yes. money? I suppose it is. I was going to say, you, you, one wonders about the tax bill affairs yes. and payment or none thereof of some of these individuals. But having said that, delighted for Jill Scott, who just appears to be having the time of her life after retiring from oh, her yeah. heroics as a lioness. Good for her, is what I say. I, I, I've got a question for you over all of this, though, because even if he, he wins the thing, all it inevitably means is one more hit single to follow. Well, and then George, in, yes. in this day and age, everybody moves on to the next novelty and mm. everybody will say, George who in a year's time? But George has a checkered past, Jaws, which was brought yes. up in a fumbling manner by a property show, uh, TV show host who was also a jungle mate until she was voted out yesterday, I believe. Right. Should we forget George's convictions and let him use this show as a reputation wash? Yes, he very much seemed to be in a strange place, didn't he? And there was, didn't he change someone to a radiator, didn't he, he did, or something? It was all, so, yeah. all, all very chaotic, wasn't it? I, like you, do not watch the Jungle Show. I don't find it very interesting. I mean, and I think that I think the thing, and uh, not so much Boy George, but particularly Matt Hancock this year. Him going on it after his very public disgrace, and I suppose you could say the same thing about Boy George, couldn't you, and his addiction struggles and and, and the not very nice behaviour he's exhibited as a result, is that it's all so see-through now, isn't it? It's all become so sort of meta that it's this kind of redemption arc. And the thing is, is that we all know the reason why people go on it to try and rehabilitate their reputations. And I just find it so cynical and so tedious, really. And I'm not, I don't, I'm never a snob about TV. I, I really hate people being snobbish about TV. I think TV is one of the great mediums of our age and of our history. And I think it is, it is fabulous. There is so much that happens on TV. 
TV. There is so much that unites people. Yes, there's a lot of rubbish. I quite enjoy the rubbish, to be honest, most of the time. But I, 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 I struggle with this. If people want to enjoy this and they like it, like my, you know, my aunt and people like that, and that's that's fine. You know, fair enough. One of my colleagues is a huge Boy George fan, so I was watching religiously. I'd be interested to get her take on it actually, because it's. I just find it a little bit, you know, it's just become such a mechanical process, hasn't it? This type of reality TV. It's become a sort of a, oh, you look at the casting and it's like, oh, so there's some random off Emma Dale. There's a daytime TV host. There's a sports person that's quite good and everyone quite likes and they'll probably win. And, you know, there's some failed comedian and there's and and, you know, the failed politician and that sort of thing. It reminds me of the excellent BBC sitcom Ghosts. I don't know if you've seen that. It's by the people that made the excellent Horrible Histories program. Mm. And and there's this the the, the central conceit is that it's a young couple that have bought a property and it's haunted by these ghosts that pop up every week and and it's sort of like an oldie worldy sitcom i quite enjoy it but the thing the thing that that it reminds me of i'm a celeb in that each ghost has a sort of backstory and how they've disgraced themselves in different ways (laughs) and there's a deceased politician that was found with his trousers down when he died so the ghost always has his ankles around his trousers and it just reminds me it just it just made me think Matt, this, the the parable of Matt Hancock is not dissimilar, really, is it? You, you knew you knew from the minute that he was going to be in it that you know everyone was going to vote for him for the time trials, and you know, and and it was going to be old sort of. There's such an old poor Matt kind of a sort of thing to it. I mean, I I have more of a problem with him than I do with Boy George, really, because because although Boy George has done some pretty rotten things, like you say, and some pretty terrible sort of criminal acts, firstly he was he was unwell. I'm not saying that makes them justifiable but it does give some context to them and also he shows a self-awareness whenever i've seen him interviews on things Mm. which i'm not really getting from matt hancock or the reporting of matt hancock really and and i i just i just find this whole idea that that reality tv is this kind of almost weird sort of zoo in which people this resumption zoo that people kind of go on to sort of redeem themselves and for the gent for you know entertainment of the general british public i'm not saying everything has to be a three-hour open university documentary about sediment you know sedimentary rock but equally it's it's i don't know i i just find the whole thing a bit soulless and a bit dispiriting and a bit predictable and a bit sort of will this do and do i care really I've got a Boy George story. Me, Boy George and Ooh. me. Oh, yes. Uh, th- th- everyone's got a me and Terence story, but they never <laughs> get to tell them on this podcast. So we'll never know the real Sertie. We just know your encounters with others. Uh, back in 1983, the the oh the Internet Movie Database very generously calls mm. me an assistant director. Actually, <laughs> I was a gopher. I was a very young junior gopher. Well, on but, the but, video- you know, but- you're an assistant director, though. The director yeah, could, right. have, could have not gone on without mm. being assisted by you, I'm sure. Yes. I was a gopher on the video shoot for Karma Chameleon. Oh, yes, on indeed. A really chilly day. I mean, if you watch the video, you may imagine it was shot as it was supposed to represent um, Mississippi, the river in Mississippi. Mm. And actually, it was <laughs> shot on a backwater of the River Thames at Weybridge. Uh, oh, I see. Interesting. Um, but the the story, George really tried my patience that day. It was oh, nearly dear. 40 years ago, but it, it, he, he, he was so <laughs> trying. I remember oh, it to this day. He became increasingly um, impatient. But oh, to dear. be fair to him, 
Oh, it was one that almost everything went wrong. The paddle steamer uh, <laughs> broke down on route. It was very, very late. Just when you think the... life can't get any more glamorous as a pop star, it doesn't. The paddle steamer breaks down on the Thames. Yeah, not and even the Thames, a backwater of a the backwater Thames. backwater of the Thames at Weybridge, indeed. Uh, D- the Desborough Cut, I remember it was called. Um, there was a ton of equipment and we thought, well, we can't have that. Um, on view, um, you know, sort of like the no, exactly. tracking equipment and the dolly and the other cameras. And that, that would so, interrupt the uh, quote unquote magic, wouldn't it? It would indeed. So I I managed to borrow uh, this massive tarpaulin and we <laughs> covered the all the equipment with this tarpaulin and we tried to weigh it down with stuff, but it kept flapping about in the breeze. Oh. So we got George to sit on the top of uh, this big tarpaulin. <laughs> and if you watch the video, you see him inexplicably singing Karma Chameleon. Um, it's supposed to be on this boat, which was late. So we had to do all this filming of him on sitting on top of this tarpaulin. <laughs> I, know, I need to go and watch this now. I really yeah, absolutely. You see, in the video, if you watch it, you can see George is really less than impressed. You know, he, he's miming <laughs> the song out, but he's kind of, you can see he's thinking, for God's sake. And it was a cloudy cold day and to cap it off. The bloke in the storyboard of the video, um, the bloke um, was like stealing jewellery off everybody on board. And he was um, he had to walk the plank at the end of the video. And he suddenly announced um, as he was being put on the plank that he couldn't swim. Um, But (laughs) the difficulty was for him. He was kind of encouraged to do the scene anyway. And we had to uh, drag him out of the tent. Oh, absolutely. There'd be health and safety officers at every corner. Exactly. But he had said that he could swim. And then he suddenly said, well, I couldn't. So um, we had to get him out of the Thames with a boat hook um, and and (laughs) drag him to the the side. So, oh, oh, and the other thing as well was that George and John Moss weren't on speaking terms. So it was a very interesting day. What a day. What a day that was. I wonder if George remembers that as fondly as you do. I sense not. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, no, probably not. I mean, here we are in astonishing. What would, what would that be? 40, uh, Nearly 40 years 40 ago. 40 years later. Yeah. That's right. And um, yeah, George is in the jungle with Hancock, Chris Miles, Moyles and uh, Mike, Mike uh, Tyndall. So we live in I very mean, peculiar times. They do. And the weird thing about this year's lineup, from what I can glean, I've sort of read into it a little bit. In the, And the reason I'm sort of saying about it is this redemption art thing is that it really does seem to be either people that seem to be seen as jolly good sorts like um sue cleaver from coronation street i think is university viewed as sort of a a, a, an every woman kind of good sort and jill scott from sunderland uh, a a decent woman and then uh, there are varying sort of flavors of disgrace aren't there so there's there's matt hancock boy george chris moyles who who has spent various who very interestingly isn't it interesting how you can tell how nice people are by how prolonged their career is, I think, and how far they fall when they're not famous anymore. Mm-hmm. And I find it very interesting that although Chris Myers is still on Radio X, he was one of the biggest radio stars in Britain for a time, wasn't he? He was, and yeah. he doesn't he doesn't seem to have won many friends on the way up, does he really? If if, you know, given given where he is now, which always makes me wonder anyway. Perhaps I'm wrong, perhaps he's a lovely person. My apologies if so. Obviously I'm dreadful, so I'm in no position to judge anyone. But um <laughs> but yeah, it it doesn't make it does and of course Sean Walsh as well, the um the disgraced oh, comedian yeah. yes. who we spoke about on that 
what was it called? That oh, thing that we gosh. watched with Jimmy Carr and Kathleen yes, Parkinson that we didn't uh, like very much. And Jeff no, Northcott Catherine and... Ryan. Ryan, that that's it. Yeah. I always get her and Catherine Parkinson. My apologies yeah. to Catherine Parkinson. I always get those confused. But um, yeah, it, yeah, there just seems to be a lot of... It really does seem to be the kind of the revenge tour for I'm a Celebrity this year, doesn't it? There seems to be lots of people that are sort of trying to rehabilitate their reputations. Yeah, it's it's an odd one. Coming right up, the Horn Section TV show. Hmm. And do we care about the Grammy nominations? <laughs> and we might be able to deal with that fairly quickly. Yes. I think. That's next after Björk.
Now, I feel slightly guilty for picking this as the Bjork song to play because she's always, I think, been rather annoyed by the fact that this is seen as her signature hit, when in fact, in reality, it was a cover of somebody else's song and it was pretty much tossed off as a kind of a joke at the end of the studio sessions because they were running a bit short and they just decided that they would just, you know, she would just sing this as a bit of a joke, really, and then it became a sort of a huge, huge hit for her. Interestingly, on her greatest hits, which came out, I suppose, mid-career for her now, really, given she's had several albums since. But it was a, I think it was a typical sort of contract. Not, I think it might have been a contract ender. I'm not sure. But um, the the fans, it was put to an internet vote. And this would have been sort of early 2000s, I think. Um, an internet vote to fans of what track should go on it. Was I was It's Also Quiet included on the track listing, Sati? I'm guessing not. It was not. Um, it was it was not voted in the fifteen favourite Bjork songs of fans. And so and and one little Indian let it go out. And it went out without her arguably her greatest hit on it. Her greatest hit does not have the song that she's known in the mainstream for. Anyway, the reason I picked that was not because I particularly wanted to concentrate on it, but because having had a joyful weekend away this weekend, I delighted my fellow patrons of my private room at Karaoke Box Birmingham with my performance of that, and it was very well, well received. It was a, a very well, enjoyable song. Is there sing. a video of this? There I... is no footage, regrettably. Oh. I thought someone was filming. They were not. I can <laughs> I can offer you... Um, There is a picture of me in a very nice chat with a girlfriend irrelevantly singing Jolene please don't take my man along to karaoke <laughs> as well but um uh, sadly no footage but um a very fun song to sing and actually for all that I can get why it feels like a bit of an albatross around her neck a lovely revival of a sort of 30s big bang classic performed with great gusto by Bjork it's a wonderful song it's oh so quiet you know, I think probably for the reasons that you uh, very well described there is that it did feel that that track did feel like a breakthrough for Bjork because it yes. brought her to a wider audience. But it, it had was, a very cutesy video as well with dancing toothbrushes. Yes, in it, if I, I remember, think I remember it. But it it was it would have sort of brought it to the attention of the sort of let's think the Wogan TV people, yes. or, uh, the Jonathan Rosses and the Graham Norton TV people. She would have been on that, and so all the sort of uh, middle class. Uh, middle England people thought oh yeah this is quite nice revival of that old song but as you then rightly say probably not terribly well uh, liked by her core fan base who would have no, thought exactly. you know, it was, it's it, almost selling out I suppose to a degree I, I don't, yeah it's interesting I'm not sure if people have quite I don't think her fans kind of mock her for it. I think Bjork, mm. so my experience with Bjork's fan base and fan forums and things and uh, and re- fan fora, sorry, and re- reading hey. a, an interesting bio, thank you, and reading a biography about her is called Wow and Flutter, which is very good, by the way. I can't remember who wrote it, but it's worth digging out. It is interesting. I don't think it's authorised, but as we've discussed before, often unauthorised biographies, yes. if they have any level of research in them, can be quite interesting. I think her fans are quite loyal people towards her and quite protective of her, and I suspect that fans like me enjoy it but are aware that in fact she's made much better work that she likes more and I suspect that mm. Bjork's opinion is probably quite important to her fans but um, it came from the album Post um, what else can I talk to you about oh yes and of course part of the problem was is that it rather um, it, it was originally by Betty Hutton it was um, it was a B it was a B-side um, that was that was released in 1951 it really wasn't well heralded at all but I, I suspect that 
it 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 really did burst Bjork onto the sort of the yeah. MTV type circuit. And I suspect one of the reasons why she might not be very fond of it was that it, it it precipitated a kind of explosion in work and demands on Bjork's time and energy and attention that eventually resulted in that horrifying incident with the journalist at Bangkok oh, Airport, yes. which yes. was very and and I can see actually the combination of the sort of wild performance of it's so quiet and her 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 sort of turns out you know reaction to a journey you know basically a, a sort of react it was portrayed as this kind of attacking and sort of wild bjork and she's a crazy kooky woman i suspect that's why she's not fond of it so so quiet because it was used like you say by the mainstream audience to kind yeah. of characterize her as kind of wacky old bjork sort of the funster and and again you know that her it, her sort of altercation with this journalist was portrayed that way actually i think bjork was just extremely tired and at the end of her tether at this yeah. point in time so so i can understand why she has a nuanced relationship with that having said that i think it's a cracking performance by her i think it's it's a really fun loose well it, it sounds exactly like something you would record at the end of a session to blow off steam that's what gives it its <laughs> charm isn't it really yeah. and that's that what makes it enormous fun to sing at karaoke not least because people wait to see if you if you're going to scream and then you do so <laughs> so i'm a big fan um Another television show I failed to come across before mm. is um, Channel 4's very successful Taskmaster. Ah, uh, um, you see, I was one of the many people that enjoyed this very much during lockdown. Ah, right. Well, now, oh, good. Um, it's now shown all around the world and also franchised to 13 countries. And the show was yes. devised by Alex Horn, who also acts as the Taskmaster's assistant. Mm. And as a result of well-received versions on BBC Radio 4 and UK TV, Channel 4 have committed a six-part series of the Horn Section TV show and the first mm. episode this week. This riotously fun sitcom is an utter delight, says Stuart Heritage in You're the Guardian. Um, mm. It drips with charm, such a delight to watch. Uh, it's so guileless and gleeful that the whole family will get something from it, says Heritage. Now, having read such startlingly positive praise, we thought, well, we better watch this show. So, mm. Jules, were you as overwhelmed with joy as Stuart Heritage in You're the Guardian? Well, I have a, I have a slightly different take on it to him. Having said that, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I would stress that. I would say that, actually, I will, I will be watching this again. I did enjoy it. There were parts of it that really made me laugh, actually. I thought it was really good. Having said that, and, and we talked earlier about, and I can't remember, what, it, what is it called? The thing that we reviewed with Jimmy Carr on it and Catherine Ryan. Yeah, I can't um, remember the name, but yeah. I'm trying no, to look uh, it up now because that will annoy me otherwise. But we reviewed <laughs> this thing that was meant to be like sort of live stand up type thing wasn't it um that um yeah we saw behind the scenes of them in the dressing room backstage so, with catherine ryan uh, i think it's called it. isn't it um or yeah, something like that something like um as, and and the thing that i disliked about that was that it was just so mean and so nasty and actually jimmy carl was the nicest person about it really yes. for all that he has himself had problems in the public eye he came across as a very kind and supportive person i thought whereas uh, catherine ryan and others on it it was very much about roasting people yes. and when this first started i thought oh no this is going to be just like that again the whole conceit is in that everybody in alex horn's life dismisses him it would seem this is a everyone's playing fictionalized versions there are some people but confusingly playing fictionalized version of themselves and then there are some known actors and comedians including desiree birch who was one of the people on that thing that we watched oh, playing yeah. playing roles playing playing sort of the different characters so that's it's all very meta and i mean even though it is my guardian as you say i 
I had sort of eye yeah. roll slightly at the Guardian loving, you know, how meta it is. When it first started, I thought, oh, no, everyone's going to be horrible to him all episode. Greg Davis's character is dismissive. You know, everyone writes him off. Everyone asks him to do things all the time. He's very put upon. And I thought, oh, you know, this isn't going to be very nice. I'm not going to like this. And actually, as it went on, I started to quite enjoy it. I think the band are great. They're really good. I love the conceit of the band kind of constantly sort of turning up everywhere. I actually thought Desiree Birch was really good as this kind of a family friend that's a film producer that just turns up to stay and ends up aggressively pitching this TV programme to Channel 4 to an executive that is played by Georgia Tennant, but isn't Georgia Tennant, is an executive. I thought this was quite fun. There was a a particularly good scene. Firstly, I very much enjoyed the long, the on sort of long running joke about how everybody loves Umbongo. I thought that was really funny (laughs) and really, really, I'm very British and I liked that it was just like Desiree Birch comes over and absolutely loves Umbongo when when she asked she she asked if he has anything stronger than tea and he suggests Umbongo like it's some sort of tropical cocktail which everyone then adopts Greg Davis arrives and asks for Umbongo I love the fact that they're obsessed with Umbongo I think it's brilliant I also really liked the scene I won't spoil it too much, but there's a scene involving someone dressed as Henry the Hoover that arrives during the pitch, which I just thought was really funny. I that just really I didn't expect that and it really made me laugh. It is this is not gonna be everyone's cup of tea. It is it is it does have a slight sort of meanness to it, which if I'm really tired and sad, I won't be able to watch this, Terence. It will stress me out too much that everyone's quite nasty to, to Alex Horn, having who is very likable in this. And I kind of wanted them to stop being mean to my Alex by the end of it, really. Um, the 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 way in which the programme is commissioned for a pilot at the end of the programme. Again, I won't spoil it, but I believe that TV really does work like this, Terence, in terms of how stuff <laughs> oh, commissioned. And, uh, and I, I, I liked this, actually. I kind of viewed it with slight grommet from Wallace and Gromit narrow-eyed suspicion at the beginning but actually I got quite into it I think it improved as it went along because you kind of really started to root for little Alex Horn as they called him uh, there were some good performances the the band music is quite fun um, Greg Davis's terrible bossa nova performance at the end was quite enjoyable <laughs> as well um, I liked this I thought it was it, it's not it's not hard hitting TV at, at 23 minutes plus ads it's not very long it's like a man that we watched the other week you can watch these fairly quickly fairly easily i thought it was good i quite liked it i'm not sure if it's you know as great as i wouldn't say it was fun for all the family like the chap in no. the garden saying actually it's quite it's quite mean and pointed and stressful in places i wouldn't necessarily get my whole family to watch this but it's something for me to watch whilst i'm having my dinner i did enjoy it i thought it had i thought it had some good things about it I felt a bit like the proverbial fish out of water because I, I mean I wasn't flapping about on the carpet mm. uh, expiring in well, not on, on this, not on this and not this week. Not, anyway, not, not this who knows what the future occasion. may bring? Yeah, I, I, indeed. But I, I just struggle with the show a bit. I mean, I, I wonder. I wonder if you need to be a viewer, even an aficionado of uh, Taskmaster, to really get this. I don't know. It did feel like uh, actually a long twenty-three minutes to me. Alex, oh, Horn, well, I'm, now, I'm sorry you didn't enjoy it so much. <laughs> yeah, Alex Horn. Um, it's like a Graham Potter lookalike, I, I thought. I didn't know him before. Yes, right. Graham Potter lookalike and sound-alike, actually. Uh, um, and, and the cast, a good series of one-liners in her thought. And um, mm. also, the, oh, there was this over-enthusiastic uh, guest appearance from John Oliver, wasn't there? Yes, that uh, was great. So that was that was very, I didn't think it would actually be him. And the fact that they dial him in to the yeah. pitch is, is great as well, I 
I thought, yeah, I thought there, were, there was much about it to like, I thought. Yeah, it appears sort of remotely on an iPad, doesn't it? But the, the segment, <laughs> that segment that you referred to where Alex Horn's band auditioned uh, really badly for a Channel 4 uh, show yes. and then accidentally, accidentally get commissioned by someone sending out an email to the wrong person. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure <laughs> that. Uh, I, I, I take your point. Maybe it does work that way. But I'm, I'm sorry to anybody who loves Taskmaster and Alex Horn, but I, I just found this to be a bit peculiar rather than funny. I mean, I, I I can understand that. And like I say, I suspect this is not everybody's cup of tea. But um, I, I allowed myself to be charmed by him and yeah, it to absolutely. some extent. I would be interested to see there are allegedly guests in the rest of the series, which, oh, which right. again, I think I think it might, once it actually gets to the TV programme bit, I wonder if it might be a bit better. I wonder if it might be, a, might, if once they have the guest stars appearing on the TV programme, you know. might it go the way of Call My Agent that we enjoyed possibly, we, where you've got people playing yeah. You see, this yeah. is not, even though I liked it, this is not in that league yet, but there may be potential for it to be. All six episodes of the Horn Section TV show are now available for free on all four. Mm. The Grammy nominations for 2023, they were announced this week. Hooray. Um, <laughs> yes, indeed. Hooray. <laughs> Move on. How many categories are there these days? I'll tell you because I painstakingly counted them. And if you're thinking... Uh, oh, I bet it's a crazy 20 or 25 I mean, there's going to be like 95, aren't there, or something? There's 82. 82 <sighs> Grammy nomination categories. It's, I mean, it makes it hard not to win a prize, doesn't it, really? Um, I mean, it is. It is. I like the winner prize every time Tom Bowler element of yeah, the Grammy, it, of America's Biggest Music that, Award. That, that's that's exactly enjoyable. It. You I turn up to... at wherever it is, Madison Square Garden or whatever, with a ticket ending in five or ten, you get given a, a bottle of squash with a 95 raffle ticket stuck to it and best Latin album of the year or something, I assume. I, I wondered um, if it's like prep school, school sports day, where everyone yes. must win a prize so no one misses exactly. out. You know? um, Jules, are you looking forward to finding out who wins Category 78, Best Immersive Audio Album? I mean, I don't even know what that actually means. But, I was uh, going to say, I really hope it's us. I'll be disappointed if it isn't. Mm. Um, I, yeah, like you, so so I, so so uh, the radio show that I host, Smooth Sailing, which we will talk a little bit about at the end, yes. Um I often express confusion on this, what well, in general and also in my life in general, particularly on this when when I research on the, the music that I'm playing, you often see things that win song of the year at the Grammys and then record of the year. They are different yeah. awards. And every week I am confused as to what uh, the difference sure. is between record of the year and song of the year. How are they different things? Why are they different things? I have finally, after about 80 shows worth of constantly making this joke, <laughs> right. I have, you know, taken about 45 seconds to simply type it into Google, which I could have done previously. But, you know, <laughs> much like the horn section, I will drag this joke out as far as I possibly can. Um, as, as thank you to Grammy.com. Simply put, record of the year deals with the specific recording of a song and recognises the artists, producers and engineers who contribute to that recording, while song of the year deals with the composition of a song and uh, recognises the songwriters who wrote the song. That's it in a nutshell, cheery okay. exclamation mark. But apparently that is that is what the difference is. I love the fact that there are so... I mean, I often joke on, on said radio show that there are as many American charts as there are people. <laughs> I genuinely believe there are as many grammy categories as there 
guitar recording artists in America. Yeah. There are so many. There's a lovely, there's a lovely bit in the, you know, the Beatles Simpsons episode yes. where um, where they um, where they 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 get nominated for and then win a Grammy. They um, they get they the 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 uh, category that they win. I'm just looking this up now because it's one of those sort of multi. It, it's taking the Mickey out of the fact that often Grammy awards have sort of multiple kind of genres that they try to put together they win the grammy award for outstanding soul spoken world or world or barbershop album of the year being a barbershop quartet and uh, <laughs> and when they win that award homer is on the phone to, to marge later in the evening the hotel room is lonely and misses his family and is depressed and uh he he you know in a moment of kindness to a bellboy that shows him some some sort of you know solidarity gives him an award and says here i'd like you to have this and the bellboy goes oh thank you oh it's a grammy and then throws <laughs> it over his shoulder of the hotel balcony and it hits the ground to which a passerby shouts don't throw your rubbish down here so the grammys don't necessarily enjoy the best of reputation maybe less is more when it comes to the grammys maybe they should slim things down a bit and not give out grammys willy-nilly i think someone said to me once that it is very very easy to buy a grammy award trophy on ebay because there are so many of them that it's 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 like you know <laughs> like, like kind of blue peter badges and things you know most people in britain have one somewhere and i suspect that americans are the same with the grammys having said that the curious the only british interaction we ever seem to have with the grammys every so often a british performer usually a woman actually in recent years will sweep the board and win loads for no apparent reason i believe duffy might have i think amy winehouse won some adele won some every so often seemingly random a a british woman will uh, just quietly invade america really and scoop some (laughs) grammys and then bring them back um yeah i'm not i'm not full of anticipation with the grammys simply because i just there's so much of it terence this is the, the quizzer in me is thinking i've got to learn all this for goodness sake you know is is someone going to genuinely ask me who won best latin pop album in 1985 it's probably whatever the lambada was isn't it if it's that if it's that that period but yeah i i once again terence i am confused i'm all for promoting great performers and helping them get their art publicized but this yes. seems to be getting all out of proportion as you it's say excessive, I mean, isn't it, I mean, it doesn't even matter who wins um it's bordering on i think on lunacy to set up a judgment for records of the year as you mentioned because taking this year as the example the 2023 nominations mm. record of the year it, you've got abba up against Adele, Beyonce, Brandy Carlisle, Doja Cat, Harry Styles, Kendrick Lamar, Lizzo, Mary J. Blige and Steve Lacey. I mean, talk about comparing apples with oranges. Who can ever possibly ever justify saying, for example, um, I don't know, oh, you know, this ABBA album beats Mary J. Blige. I mean, it's such a great ABBA 4. Mary J. Blige. Yes. Ooh. And, I mean, uh, and on your Paul's comp on, there is a score draw between Brandy Carlisle and Bad Bunny. <laughs> I think the rest win. of my life yes. will be much happier if I just ignore the Grammys and then the Brits and any other pointless judgment awards. It seems very strange, uh, particularly Best New Artist, which in, in that sort of summary, we have Maneskin, inexplicable winners of Eurovision last year. You know, that oh, tuneless yeah. Italian band that won. I'm not meant to say it's my friend Anne loves them. I'm sorry, Anne. But um, them against six music breakout star hit makers, Wet Leg. And oh, them of well, Shays exactly. Long, which I picked last year on yes, the Shays yes. Long, them. Uh, the, the, that the, underlines every... the point. 
how you know how on earth can I put? I mean, I can choose. It's wet legs, but you know why? Why should people be being asked to choose? Comparing apples with jumbo jets. It's very odd. What's next? I'll tell you what's next. We'll be talking about uh, Keith Levine, Dan McCafferty, and Mimi Parker. And Mm. that's right after Lobe. If I could just make it stop, I could tell the whole world to get out of the way. If I could just make it stop, if I could just make it stop, breaking my heart.
one of my favourites uh, from this band. I so love Mimi Parker's vocals. Uh, single taken from the album The Invisible Way from 2013. Low and just make it stop. I adore that. When when the news broke of her sad passing um, the other week, I decided that that would be my choice to play on, on the radio. And I do. I really like that. I think it's great. Uh, one of those bands who I've, I really do like, but I've I've never been as big a fan of them perhaps as I should be I think I've just lacked the attention span to get to them it says more about me than it does about them obviously but people that I love very much in my life particularly sensitive men really like really really like low and so I've come to love them because other people that I love in my life love them and their Christmas album is is wonderful and I love how they never min- I'm not someone that is religious, but they never minimise their faith in their music. They're they're like lots of people, um, early Ben and Sebastian stuff, and uh, Sufjan Stevens as well, who who can make music that is profound and can celebrate their faith in it without being hectoring, without attempting, you know, to sort of impress out on other people. I have every respect for them, and I'm so sorry to hear of her sad passing. I know it's a silly thing, but in an odd coincidence, in the year that Alan Sparhawk and Mimi Parker formed, Lone, mm. 1993, yes. by just, as I say, by coincidence, I actually drove through and stopped for lunch in their home city of Duluth. And yes. um, they might have been rehearsing somewhere up the road, I don't know. But yes, only knows. yes, probably. It kind of makes you, I, I don't know, it makes me sort of feel a, a sort of affinity with them. I know mm. it's a silly mm. thing. Um, but it's 50... a small town that they're from, isn't it? It's not, it's <laughs> yeah. not you know, it's, 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 I suppose it's a bit like um, small towns in Britain, isn't it, really? But America is so huge exactly. that it's, yeah, it's, I, can yeah. See, I can see that. I do see your logic. Only 55 years old, Mimi Parker mm. died with cancer last week. And I was very late, uh, possibly like, like to a degree how you were saying it. I was late mm. in discovering Lowe because about 10 years ago, I was driving home later uh, in the evening and Steve Lamack played uh, the track we just heard, Just Make It Stop. And I loved it so much on first mm. hearing that I, I sat, sat outside uh, in the car waiting to find out who it was and yes. then rushed indoors to find it on Spotify. And since then, it's been a sort of ongoing discovery for me as they, they, they've mm. released the albums along with lots of EPs and singles um oh including a couple of years ago really affecting cover of Al Green's Let's Stay Together again oh that was brilliant that was so good she had a great loss yes a really great loss and and the thing that I I love about Lowe is that they were such a talented band and they wore it so lightly that you, you you just they just got on with making great music and there were lots of lovely tributes to her when when she passed and yeah, I, nobody seemed to have a bad thing to say about her, which I, no, I I'm no. always rather struck by that. And I know that everyone's always wonderful when they die, aren't they? But but everyone seemed to be very genuine and sincere. So so yes, a wonderful band, and I am sorry that we won't hear more from them and from her particularly. A name that um, been out of the spotlight for many years now wouldn't mean very much to anybody of a, of a younger generation dan mccafferty i remember mm. going to a sparsely attended gig at the marquee club in london in the 70s uh to see nazareth uh shortly that the band that mm. he was in nazareth uh shortly before their career took off and um whilst the band i have to say were pretty much a standard sort of rocking out unit yes i was particularly taken by this singer dan mccafferty and uh, he sadly died this week um what a voice this man i mean it's, it's like a foghorn coated in sandpaper yes but <laughs> so tuneful and never mm. more so i i love this track uh, nazareth's uh, extraordinary cover of Joni mitchell's this flight tonight i mean if ever there was an album that didn't seem to lend itself to hard rock mm. covers 
it's Joni Mitchell's Blue. But it's yes. a superb cover. And Joni loved it to the extent that at her gigs at the time, Jules, she used to say, oh, I'd like to open my set today with a Nazareth song. Oh, that's lovely. And again, says great things about Joni Mitchell, I think. Yes. But um, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't familiar with this until no. you sent me the sort of details of what we're going to do this week. I, I knew of Nazareth. I have a single of theirs that I got in a job lot years right? ago. It might even be that. I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to dig it out now and see what it is. But um, I will I will uh, report back on the podcast but, um, and, and send you a picture, obviously. But but um, <laughs> but I um, yeah I I decided I would listen to that because you sort of mentioned it yeah. and like you I love Joni Mitchell and, and love her work and it was great it's yeah, really yeah. good and and I'm charmed by the fact that she was introducing it as a Nazareth number that is <laughs> that's glorious I love that well it's been a bad week for losing people in the music world it Keith has, Levine. Rather. Um, we heard Public Image at the beginning, Public Image Limited. But Keith Levine was a, a, a bit different from his punk contemporaries because um, they, they, many felt that you could get by with little musical knowledge. But Keith uh, really could play guitar. He was, a, mm, he was very talented, fan. yeah. You know, the, much at the time of punk, much derided sort of progressive music. Yes. And he's been a roadie for Yes um, when he was Ooh, 15. They don't get more prog or rock exactly. than that, do they, really? And although he played on all the early public image records, I remember him saying he couldn't put up, as he put it, with Lydon and his screeching. And he wanted mm. to create worthwhile music. He had a genuinely, I mean, you mentioned this earlier when we were when we were starting off with public image. He had a genuinely unique guitar sound, Jules. Yes, really, really, yeah, really different and and brought something that he brought something to the party that was what I liked about PIO everyone brought something to that party and there is a sort of there's a slight it, it managed to be sort of noisy but not tuneless if you see what I mean lots of people lots of people think that if you make a lot of noise and that's how you should play rock guitar but actually it's not dissimilar to another one of my favorite underrated uh, punk era guitarist Steve Diggle from the Buzzcocks oh, um, yes. both very similar in that they, their guitar solos are often the equivalent of talk little say a lot for me in that they would often that you know Keith was an incredible player but wouldn't necessarily do a lot of the kind of arpeggios or the whittly wee or the sort of loud stuff but would come up with these lines that were really searing and have real impact weirdly when I was playing in, in, in my band as well I say as was we've not split yeah. up we will make another record one day I but um but in go bodicea i played the electric ukulele and i remember the thing about the ukulele is there aren't that many notes on a ukulele so <laughs> but i insisted on playing guitar solos on the ukulele as a result of which you have to do a lot with a little do you know what i mean and actually the two biggest influences on me were diggle and levine because they are the people that that managed to play you know sort of punk leaning stuff with a few notes and someone referenced steve diggle when speaking to me after the gig which i was delighted by but uh yeah i, I really loved that kind and it was a very post-punk sensibility and i think that it's important to emphasize the word post in post-punk actually and i think keith levine was a great example of that where obviously pil were doing something that had real roots in punk but there was there was a, there was something a bit more to post punk. There was there was a slightly wider angle lens, I think, on the, on the kind of music that was played. And yeah, I really do feel that that Keith Levine is one of those people who, lots of people write punk off as noise, but he was doing something very interesting and quite minimalist. I, um, I apologise for not being able to be sort of more upbeat about Keith mm. Levine. His his like the the the, the, the newborn, um 
of his life was really rather a sad I, mean, I suppose Keith Levine and I were friends but back when he left the clash we used to meet up and I used to buy him yes breakfast. I forget that he was originally in the clash yes, I, that, was, that, that's yeah. been uh, that noted in bio in sort of um, bios and death notices and I, that completely passed me by he co- he co-wrote quite a lot of the early songs because I was there mm. at the time and he only really got a credit for what's my name but I do know that he contributed yes. extremely heavily to many of the others and I think that upset him that he only got credit on one but yes. um, I used to buy him breakfast back then because he never had any money but mm. then came the the horror years when he lived only for scoring his next fix of oh, heroin oh god right and okay that, that ran into decades and uh at that time he wasn't a good person to know but although i mean well, I is, say, is any addict ever well, a good person indeed. to know i, I suppose mean, without, without making excuses for him again with boy george you know it, it's yeah it's uh, I mean, as Jarvis Cocker once put it to great effect um, on, I think it was the um, the, the Britpop documentary. Um, he said, oh, you know, I wasn't very happy and I wasn't nice person to be around. He said, taking drugs didn't help. Have you ever heard anybody say about anyone? Do you know what? Since he started taking hard drugs, he's been a really nice person. He's really come out of himself and blossomed. And it's true, isn't it? Unhappy people take drugs and then become unhappier. Underneath it, he was a, a, a lovely person. I remember when his mother died, um, he tried really hard to get sober and clean because her mm. death affected him deeply. And what happened was in the early years, early days of Facebook, when everybody was finding people from their past, oh, I yes. got this I got this from friend request from Keith Levine and we, mm. we, we chatted from time to time. Yeah. But again, it, the, the sad denouement is that his life it's a very strange story, but his life got turned upside down in the last, say, five, ten years by the, a strange turn of events. He he acquired a, a stalker, uh, an American woman. Gosh. And wow. He, OK, he, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, he contacted me several times. I don't know why he thought I could help him. I couldn't. But he contacted me several times to talk and actually rant about this because she wouldn't leave him alone. And <sighs> she even sat up. They're still there to this day, actually. If you ever, if anybody Googles like Keith Levine, American woman stalker or mm. something, you'll see this because she set up websites claiming she has written Keith's music oh, um, in later sake. days when he was really struggling, you know, any yes. royalties would have been, you know, very welcome. And I think yes. he never got over this. I mean, as I say, it's still going on. Um, I didn't know I, anything about this at yeah. all, I must say. Uh, but I mean, I, I mean, obviously, we mustn't forget his amazing musicianship. And I saw the yeah. BBC's obituary says Keith was, quote, one of the most influential guitarists of all time. And I yes. don't think we can say better than that. Absolutely agree. When you hear so particularly a lot of the music that I was listening to at university, mm. there was a real sort of post punk revival, I would say, in the. But throughout the noughties, I would say, really, bands yeah. like Franz Ferdinand uh, mm. wouldn't, I think, have been successful without having post-punk history to sort of mm. draw on. And I remember being, I think I talked about some the podcast before, so apologies that I was boring about the same stuff. But I, I bought a rough trade compilation that I think came out in 2003 that was called Post-Punk Volume 1 that had a real mix of sort of classics like wire and public image um it had careering i think on it um yeah. amongst other things and uh skank block belong nearby uh by scritty and but also some stuff of the day like the rapture as well and really interesting things and again a similar-ish time uh the brilliant book rip it up and start again the history of post-punk 78 to 84 which if you're interested in this stuff by simon reynolds is a really essential reading probably my favorite non one of my favorite non-fiction books ever 
a revolution in the head is probably oh, yeah. but but not by very much that that's the, the fact i mentioned it in the same breath goes how much so how much goes to how much i like it but um um it, like you say so many of the guitarists that i grew up listening to at university from that era are all sort of trying to be keith lavinery there's a lot of these scratchy <laughs> kind of lines across stuff like that and block party and things like that that is really trying to do that sort of thing i think that you know all of us are kind of I'm still trying to be Keith Levine a bit I think so uh, I will try and I will try and keep his talent alive although I'm not as talented as Keith Levine at the guitar because I don't think many people are really that's a lovely thought that's a lovely thing to do thanks for listening and being with us this week always thank you very much for letting me burble on and I say that to the listener as much as I do to Seti <laughs> one of my favourite listens of the week is Juliet's radio show and two here's kinds. how you can listen to that is two kinds Seti thank you very much indeed if you wish to listen live in amongst the action you can do so I go out live on Sunday evenings from 7 to 9pm on Noisebox Radio noiseboxradio.com there are ways you can make it talk to Alexa people get in touch with me corresponding their unhappiness with not being able to work I, I don't know I don't know but apparently it works so you go on the website and it gives you an instruction I think or something but anyway if you can't listen live either because because you're not able to or you just can't um, you can go on to mixcloud.com and Noisebox Radio has a channel on that and all of the previous shows of mine and indeed the whole station are, are uploaded a reflection back on Acid House to play us out yeah, this came up on, uh, you know, when iTunes, I think Spotify does the same thing. You oh, run yeah. out of what you're listening to, so it yeah. throws stuff at you that is similar. Well, I had a very enjoyable train journey back from Birmingham, which basically was a sort of a day rave, really. I, I started off listening to Underworld, and it just threw all this stuff at me. And um, and I heard this, which I'd never heard before. I believe it has been it was unreleased for some years, I think. I don't think it was available for a very long time. Um, I love this. I love Orbital anyway. I think they're absolutely fantastic. So from the album 30 something which was released in 2022 um a new track that's reminiscing back on that era so it's one of those kind of here's a new track on the best of there's some brilliant use of news footage of this of the euro which is so so steeped in it as i think as i said yeah. we came on out i can imagine someone in a gray a reporter in a gray mac talking <laughs> to people in a shopping precinct with russell and bromley in the background or something and you know various various alarmed looking older people sat on park benches and you know sort of a you know a woman outside superdrug saying it's the collapse of society and similar um it's got some lovely footage on this um by the way one day i will do this if you want an enjoyable hour sit sit down hang around itv3 and i hope that they show the rave episode of inspector morse which is still one of my favorite ever things i think it is of course dated as hell now but it is great and this is orbital and from the days of rave smiley saturday night in south london hundreds of young people are gathering for the latest craze an acid house party in a disused warehouse coaches will take them to a destination which has deliberately been kept secret to evade the police where, where do you think you're going to? Well, we talk. We don't know. It's quite like a mystery. That's the mystery about it. This is acid, man. This is acid, man.
setting of Sevenoaks in Kent, which led to the most controversial policing so far. A raid on an acid house party ended in violence and led to over 20 formal complaints against the police. At midnight, about 60 policemen arrived. A group of them burst in to search for drugs. It was alleged that none of the group were in police uniform. The first thing I saw, well, what appeared to be was a bunch of hooligans coming charging through the door uh, with big black sticks uh, flaming in the air, uh, shouting, get on the effing floor, you lowlifes. People that didn't get on the floor immediately were just beaten on the floor, beaten to the floor. Uh, it was incredible, incredibly mindless violence. They were beating me as they took me out, they weren't just um, roughly handling me. And any other any policeman that I passed in the way were taking a good sort of pot like punch at me as well. Manic in there, it just terrified me. And everybody who was there, I was really frightened. Where, where do you think you're going to? Mystery tour. We don't know. It's quite like a mystery. I've got a mystery about it. This is acid, man. This is acid. This is acid. This is acid. This is acid, man. This is acid. This is acid, man. This is acid. This is acid, man. 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 This is Thirty something years later. You've been listening to a parish council production. <laughs> <laughs>